2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
3: It's all love here. And uh, uh, as far as the fun I'm having, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, imagine a better year uh, with any
4: better teammates, man. They did great.
3: Really appreciate our players, you know, and the, the way they the way they fight, and the way they uh, they don't they don't they don't flinch, they don't they don't blank. They just no matter what happens, they keep they keep coming back and playing the next play, the next this play, this play, this play, this play. Yo, what's the significance of beating the Steelers season? Two zero against them. You know, we got higher aspirations than beating the Steelers right now.
2: High aspirations indeed throughout the AFC. Some big wins yesterday across the league. Week 12 in the books, but for Monday night's game between the Seahawks and Washington. So basically week 12 is in the books. He's Mike Golick. I'm Mike Florio. Mike along with Mike. Week 12 edition. Thanksgiving is over. Turkey coma ended. Mike, I hope you had a great holiday and safe travels and welcome back. And here we go.
4: Uh, here we go again. Yes, I hope yours was as well. Mine was was fantastic. I stuffed my face and laid down and watched watched football. I actually played in two Thanksgiving uh, games and, and it got in the way of my eating. So I was a little bummed at that. But <laughs> it's much more fun to watch them, quite honestly. And uh, nice games there uh, on, on Thursday, obviously. And then what we had yesterday, uh, still still more shake up and still some head scratchers.
2: Now, I'm curious, when you played on Thanksgiving, where did the meal get shifted to? Because it's not like you're not going to have it. So was it day before? Was it when you got home Thanksgiving night? Was it next day? When did you do it?
4: Yeah, we did it. The net. My, my first one, I was in Philly and we played in Dallas. And then my second one was in 93 when I was with the Dolphins when we played Dallas, that famous game in the snow where Dallas blocked our kick and Leon Letts slid in and, and hit the ball and we got to kick it again. It was it was the next day when, when I would go home. We would uh, do Thanksgiving the next day. I was getting my turkey. Listen, I was getting my turkey and I was getting my stuffing. If it wasn't on Thursday, that was okay, but I was getting
2: it. All right, well, let's get after it. The Patriots are getting it. Six straight wins. They... Emerged victorious in their showdown against the Titans. And it was somewhat anticlimactic, Mike, because of so many Titans injuries. No Derrick Henry, which has been the case for several weeks. No Julio Jones. No A.J. Brown. He's on his reserve now. And you, you, you kind of got the impression this was going to go the way it did, although it took a while for the Patriots to emerge. It's kind of how they are. It's who they are. It's systematic. It's meticulous. It's inevitable. 36 to 13 victory. It's six straight wins now. Combined points scored, 211. Combined points allowed, 263. My calculator on my phone tells me that's just about 35 to 10 for six straight games on average. It's amazing what the Patriots are doing. And I, I feel like people are awake to the reality that they're back. If they're not now, they will be next Monday night, potentially if they can beat the Bills in Buffalo. But I'd like to think that people are realizing that it was a one-year hiatus and the Patriots are back.
4: Well, listen, it, it it's methodical. So in the NFL of today, people want to see you know explosive points, long plays, spectacular plays, highlight plays. And a lot of times New England doesn't give you that. They're methodical. They force you into mistakes. They... They win games, but they win a lot of games by waiting for you to do something wrong or forcing you to do something wrong. Hence, four turnovers yesterday. You know, one interception at, you know, for Tannehill, who had four last week against Houston, and three running back fumbles. Where, where they're punching the ball out. The play by J.C. Jackson in the third quarter, punching the ball out of, of Foreman when he had that that uh, long run, was was I mean that epitomizes New England and what they do. They wait for you to make a mistake or they force you to make a mistake. Because listen, they got run on yesterday for 270 yards. Now their defense has been playing lights out. And the best thing, the best stat is the best stat, is they're only giving up a little over 15 points a game. And that's going to help you along, and it helps bring their rookie quarterback along. But yeah, that rarely they're not jumping out to a 21-0 lead, you know, and, and holding on to that. They are, they just methodically build on you. And they just play and play. You stub your toe, all of a sudden they're up a little more. Play and play. They force you into mistake. They're up a little more. And before you know it, they win another game. You know, and then they're sitting there, you know, high in the AFC now. And you're right. It's a one year hiatus for Bill Belichick for all those last year who are condemning him that it was more Brady than him. You know, time to kind of eat your words a little bit for what he's doing now with a rookie quarterback.
2: And the running game for the Titans, you know, there was a little bit of a surprise this week when they released Adrian Peterson. But when Dontrell Hilliard, 26 years old, and bounced around the league, he settles in for 131 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown. Deontay Foreman has 109 yards. Yeah, your running game is working. The problem is the passing game didn't work. Ryan Tannehill accounted for only 93 yards on 11 completions in 21 attempts. So, you know, it's just that the Patriots... They're going to figure out how to get you one way and they're just going to make those plays at those moments where the ball is going to pop out or the ball is going to pop up and land in the hands of J.C. Jackson. It's just that sense that they're going to get you. They're at that point where everyone senses it coming and that Patriots defense is going to put the clamps on you at the time that it needs to, like on fourth and goal and Ryan Tannehill rolls right. and. The guy that he's trying to throw it to is covered. They're both covered, so he's just got to throw it. It's fourth and goal. It's not like you can wait, you know, for the next play. So you just got to see what happens. And, of course, what happens is uh, Patriots end up stopping the Titans from scoring and J.C. Jackson catches the carom. And that that's, that's – if it wasn't already lights out, it was lights out then. And it was one of those games where – you know, we're watching seven of them at once yesterday, and it's like, eh, you know, it's fairly close. Eh, you know, it's fairly close. Holy crap, it's 36 to 13. It's just, that's just, that's the way the old Patriots did it. You, it's just, it just grind and grind and grind, and the next thing you know, you see a final score that makes you say, well, it was never close. No, it was, but there was never a real sense the
4: Patriots weren't going to win the game. So It's exactly what they do, they just kind of roll it up on you and make those plays like we just saw right there. A tip ball, a J.C. Jackson interception. Is 24th, by the way, in his fourth year, which is just you know a- absolutely incredible uh, what he's doing and also has uh, the force fumble as well. But yeah, that's what they do. They're, Bill Belichick is a, is a coach that coaches to perfection. And listen, you never get perfection, but you can coach to it. And it's you don't make the mistakes, let the other team make the mistakes, And we'll capitalize on that. That's been his mantra forever. And quite honestly, listen, he's a defensive guy at heart. So he loves to see the way the defense is playing right now. You know, when Brady was there and they were winning those Super Bowls, how many of those were, you know, early on, the the great defenses, the tough defenses that they've had? Brady certainly had his share without question of success as a quarterback. But they would have a well-balanced team on the defensive side of the ball as well. And that's what they're doing right now. And it couldn't work more to perfection (laughs) Um, with a young quarterback who's coming along extremely well and growing into that p- position while the defense is doing their thing. So this is, this is classic Bill Belichick. You said it, and you're right. You look at the scoreboard, they're up three, then they're up seven. Then wait a minute, they're up 17? You know, how, how, how did they get up that much? And then they're rolling you when it doesn't feel like they're rolling you. That's what they do, and here they are, right in the thick of things near the top of the AFC.
2: Here's the best reminder of how the Patriots were when they got it started 20 years ago. Tom Brady yesterday got the 30 touchdown passes. It's the ninth time in his career that he's had 30 or more touchdown passes. His first season with 30 or more touchdown passes came in 2007 when he skipped past 30 and 40 and finished with 50. Before that, he never had 30 touchdown passes. They weren't that way. The first chunk of their dynasty when they won three out of four, it wasn't go out and roll up the offense. That was so st- what was so stunning about 2007. We have Wes Welker and Randy Moss, and they're throwing the ball down the field, and they're scoring a ton of points. That that was a hint of what was to come the following decade. But th- they really do have the formula that they had, and you're going to hear that more and more and more, especially as this showdown with the Bills Approaches and and it 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 really is a showdown. It's a critical game. We were ready to hand the division to the Bills, and now the Patriots are in first place, and they they they're they're the one seed technically right now. And uh, it's it's you know it's deja vu all over again, as folks are saying. But it's been building. It's been coming. But beating a team like the Titans, I think, is the moment where people say, okay. Here we are. And there they are. Technically not the one seed because the Ravens got the win last night and are at 8-3, and three, but they are a half game ahead of the Bills for the AFC East lead, and uh, they just keep rolling, Mike.
4: Well, listen, we'll see what goes on in the next three weeks, right? You mentioned the, the upcoming game with the Bills, but they get them two out of the next three games. Much like Cleveland plays Baltimore, they have a bye, and then they play Baltimore again. Buffalo, you know, is, on, is up next. And then a couple of weeks from then. So in the next three weeks, you're going to have a little bit of what the outcome may be, you know, in these division races. Like we saw, and we'll talk about Cincinnati sweeping Pittsburgh. Still the two shots for Buffalo. So Buffalo's sitting there technically in the sixth seed right now. But that doesn't matter because they know they have two of their next three against the Patriots. So it's right there for both teams in what they're going to do. So, and and that's all you can ask for as a player is... I can control, we can control where we end up. And both of these teams are in that position right now.
2: And let's not write off the Tennessee Titans just yet. They go into their bye week. They have a chance to get healthy. Here's Mike Vrabel, coach of the team, after the game, talking about what the objective will be as they enter their stretch run of five games after they get week 13
3: off. I guess that's where we're at. We've got to buy. You know, We've got to get healthy mentally and physically and uh, get back uh, to playing football how we know how to play it, taking care of the football, playing complimentary, knowing the details, you know, a lot of things to improve. You know, we've lost two games in a row. You know, we've lost two games in a row. We lost in, at home, came on the, on the road and, and played uh, very competitively for the first half. You know, they're, they're disappointed. Um, and obviously the way that the game went in the second half, um, you know, a lot of these guys have, uh, you know, been grinding through, pushing through. There's a lot to, to do with, uh, you know, mental health of just, you know, dealing with injuries and dealing with things. This is a good time for, for us all to reset and, and focus on this football team and, uh, and getting healthy in, in all aspects. Week
2: 14, Jaguars come to town. Now, you want a pencil and a W, but we had, we had put a W in ink last Sunday when the Texans came to town and we saw what happened to the Titans. So they got to get back to one-at-a-time mindset. But then it's at Pittsburgh, which is looking like a much less compelling game than it was a few weeks ago. A Thursday night showdown with the 49ers Week 16, which could be a great game. That's probably the last Thursday night game of the year. If not, it's darn close to it. Week 17, Dolphins. Different game than it would have been a few weeks ago because the Dolphins are surging, and then they get to – Face the Texans in Houston to wrap the season. So I mean, three and two, four and one, five and zero. Oh, anything anything worse than three and two is a major problem for the Titans at this point down the stretch. But they could, if they get healthy, four and one isn't out of the question. Running the table is not out of the question, Mike.
4: So so a, a few things. First, Vrabel staring across the, the sidelines at Bill Belichick and seeing how that game was going. Had to be in his head like, yeah, yeah, this, this is how it happens. You know, we're sitting here making the mistakes and they're capitalizing. That had to be just like, I remembered being in uniform and doing that, you know, for Bill. And then from the, the physical side of it, you know, they lose Derrick Henry and they think, okay, this is going to change. Much like when Carolina lost Christian McCaffrey weeks ago, how that offense changed. And, and it did somewhat, but again, they rushed for 270 yards yesterday. They're just turning the ball over. Like I said, four interceptions last week against Houston, four more this week with three of them being fumbles. They actually had five fumbles and lost three of them. And the interception, you just can't do that. You can't do that, especially when you don't have your horse like uh, Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter to help close out that game. But that's really what's killing them right now. And then, and then the party talked about about the mental part of it. This is where we are in the season now, Mike. And, boy, I, I remember it well and how you feel. And there's different aspects. There's teams that are out of it and how you prepare. There are are teams that are right there, you know, and then there are teams, you know, that, that can go back either way. And then there are teams leading their division like Tennessee, but, you know, floundering a little bit here. So where you are in the season right now, get healthy. It's tough to get healthy now. Now we are at the point where they'll start taking off the pads if they haven't already. Usually it's only one day in pads a week, if that at all the way that the the new CBA has been with what they can do in the regular season. But it's little things, Mike. It's, again, the things you don't see. You know, guys that would go in and lift every day, guys that would stay after practice every day, guys that would put in the extra time, they still want to do that or try and do that, but there's that that fatigue. There's that physical fatigue. Can you get that same workout in? How much of a workout can you get in to kind of keep your body going? You know, mentally, can you stay that extra time? Can you still do it? it? Takes maybe a little more of a group effort, guys dragging other guys along to be able to do that. It's a, it's a hard wall right now. Veterans know it. Younger players are still going through it. But this is the time. This is definitely the time of the year because in another few games, the end of the regular season is right there and you can see it. So you get kind of get that rejuvenation of, okay, it's right there for us. Right now, you're still in that moving phase of where you're going to be it is, it is definitely not only a physical grind, but it is, a. as Mike said, it's a big-time mental grind right now as well.
2: And on top of everything else, everyone has an extra game this year. We still don't know how those dynamics are going to play out. And if you do make it to the playoffs, you've got 17 under your belt before you get to 18, 19, 20, and potentially, ultimately, 21 games played in the full season. The Baltimore Ravens. Sunday Night Football, got a hard-fought win. It was ugly at times. It was ugly for one very extended stretch at the end of the second quarter, the half that would never end because nobody wanted to have the ball in their possession when the clock struck zero. But the Ravens pull off the victory, and as mentioned earlier, they're now technically the one seed with an 8-3 and three record, even though Lamar Jackson had four interceptions. The Ravens get it done. Let's hear from John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens, regarding – a defensive performance that sealed the deal because the offense definitely didn't for the Ravens on Sunday night.
3: Defense was just off the charts. I mean, that's one of the best defensive performances that we've seen out here in a long time to hold that offense down the way they did, to hold that rushing attack down the way they did, a the play action passing game that they have, the boots, uh, the hard play actions, the chunk passes. They had a few. thus so far guys played tremendously well across the board on defense. Our edges were especially good.
2: 262 yards allowed to the Cleveland Browns, and that Browns offense looked anemic the whole night. The running game wasn't there. Baker Mayfield is still physically impaired, and the team seems in denial about that. or They just don't know what to do about it, so they just keep putting him out there, but it's clearly not working. They still had a chance. Hey, Ball's in your hand with a minute left. you still got yeah. a chance to drive down the field and win the game. I, the way things went, they had to have been happy to have the opportunity, but uh, they didn't do anything with it in part because that Ravens defense was so good against the Cleveland, Cleveland offense all night long, Mike.
4: So, again, you know, we're, we're talking 17 games, right? And it's tough to ask one side of the ball, and especially one player like Lamar Jackson who is – Just an unbelievable player. And and the touchdown pass, he threw the 13-yard and that scramble before he threw it to Andrews was, was vintage Lamar Jackson. But the four interceptions weren't. But what happens is you can't do it every single game. You want to, but you can't. That's why you have a team. And that's why you need a team that's balanced on both sides. And for this one, it was a defense to step up because now Kareem Hunt is back. You have Nick Chubb. You're thinking, okay, here we go, Cleveland, you know, already you know, at the top of uh, the rushing attack when those guys have been hurt and they were able to continue to hold that together. Now they have them both back and they don't, get, they don't get anything, you know, because of this defense. So this is even Lamar Jackson said, hey, give it up to that side of the ball. That's who saved their bacon last night without question. And that's what happens. That's what you do. That's what good, that's what great teams do. They have one side of the ball that can, when they need to step up, If the other side isn't doing it, because that's the expectation, right? Every time Lamar Jackson gets on the field, the expectation is to see that great touchdown throw or just go, wow. But every now and then it doesn't happen. You know, you get the turnovers. So now you have to pick them up on the other side. And that's what the defense is. To stop that vaunted rushing attack by the Cleveland Browns was monstrous. And then, and because it was a close game, so this is, it was a, you know, a one possession game after Cleveland gets that touchdown to, to give them 10 points. And they had a chance at the end, but they couldn't run the ball. And the problem now with Cleveland, let's be honest, they, they don't have a receiver that can separate, right? That can consistently separate and have that, that big, big route of being wide open and give Baker that big time target. You know, these guys get covered up a bit, and the throw really has to be there. And with Baker, sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. He tries to make things happen on the run. He ran one play, runs out of bounds, and he's limping. He's hurt. But you know what? I'm not going to sit here and and say, you know, uh, what are you going to do? Baker wants to play. Baker's going to continue to go out on the field. Like most players that are injured, they're going to continue to run out of the field. It's up to Kevin Stefanski to say, you know what? If we feel we're not getting enough out of Baker, we're the ones that are going to have to pull him off the field and put Case Keenum in there. You know, if you want to get on Baker for not playing well, under 50% completion, great. But the injury part of it, he's going to go play. That's what players do. They play when they're hurt. So... He's doing what players want to do. That's up to the coaching staff to decide, is this enough? Are we going too far the one way where we're going to need to change it here and just sit him and let him at least maybe get a week or so to heal up a little bit from all his injuries? But I don't blame the guy at all for wanting to go out on the field every single time. You should have to, have to want to drag your players off the field. They should want to play like Baker wants to play. And it's up to the staff to decide, is this the right thing for us right now? But it's a combination of things. They couldn't run the ball. They don't really have that separation wide receiver. And their quarterback is hurt. Not an excuse because if you step on the field, you're saying I'm healthy enough to play and to produce. Then you need to produce. And Baker knows that and any player knows that who goes on the field who is injured, which most are at this time of the year. This is now falling to a coach's decision on what's going to give us the best chance to win.
2: And statistically, Mayfield was the best quarterback on the field last night, but only because Lamar Jackson had the four interceptions. And, you know, you're going to have those moments where for the quarterback, it's just not my night. Hey, it's not my day. Hey, but they found a way to win on a night when it wasn't Lamar Jackson's night. And that is one of those that you steal that you shouldn't have when your quarterback is having such a rough time. But Mayfield has had rough times for several weeks now. He did miss one game with that left shoulder. The conversation has been persistent about whether or not they should turn to a 100% healthy Case Keenum. Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the Browns, addressed the struggles of the offense and the possibility of sitting Baker Mayfield down after last night's loss. Here he is.
3: Yeah, it's frustrating. It is very frustrating to uh, not score enough, and it's always a combination of things. It's... Uh, You know, staying on the field on third down, it's uh, trying to run the ball effectively, get into the red zone, uh, all those things. But we're we're just not doing a good enough job, and that starts with me. Is a quarterback change at all a possibility? In the bye week? No. Why not? Well, let me ask you a question. Why would we do that? Well, the points, you know, just aren't there. Yeah, it's not, that's, we're not doing that, Tony
2: surprising that Stefanski would show a little crack there and turn it around on the reporter and say, why would we do that? Well, because your starter currently is hurt to the point where he's not performing well, and you've got a guy who's fully healthy that took you to the NFC Championship game in the brink of the Super Bowl when you were the quarterback's coach in Minnesota four years ago. That's why. <laughs> Just because the guy who's on the field arrived as the first overall pick in the draft, and he's been ordained to be the starter for the next 15 years, and you You're happy to not add another name to that Tim Couch jersey that has 50 names now underneath it. If your current starter, and as you said it, Mike, he's going to want to play no matter what. But at some point, it's for the organization to say, we can't. We can't. It's in the best interest of the team for the backup to play. Now, they got two weeks until the next game. they got the Ravens again. And, and we'll see how much Mayfield heals. But as you, as you said, it's not like Mayfield is going to show up at a press conference next Wednesday after having 10 days off and say, ah, you know, I'm still really banged up. He's, he's going to say, I'm good. I'm ready. Let's go.
4: The, the, this, is, this is without question on Kevin Stefanski. No doubt about it. The, I, I hear every now and then people say, well, you should realize if you're not 100%, you're not going to help the team. You should pull yourself. That, that's laughable that's laughable that an athlete would do that. They're not going to because they're even mine as an average player. When I was nicked up, I still felt I could perform when I went on the field while I was hurt. And that's what players feel like. They always can perform. They can find a way to perform around the injury. So that's not going to happen. And and I'm cool with it. I don't think it should happen. Uh, players want to play. That, that's This is completely on Kevin Stefanski and you just, laid out the reasons on why they would think about going to Case Keenum. You know, Case Keenum certainly is a guy who has been out there and has had success on the field. He's a backup for a reason. I get it. But, you know, if you have a quality backup, I I did the game uh, when they played Denver, when when Case Keenum played that game. He came in and they ran the ball extremely well, and, and, and Case led him and managed that offense well. So that's what you're looking for right now. So, you know, it could be Kevin Stefanski just saying, I have all the confidence of the world in Baker and we're not going to start to crack that foundation at all. But, man, this is about wins and losses. So and it's a business, too. You know, if you sit Baker down and you say, listen, we just, we're going to give you a rest. We're going we're to see what happens for a week. Give you a rest, let you heal up, again, as much as you can in a week. It's not like he's going to, if he's sat for a week, he's going to be 100% that next week. It doesn't work that way. But it's going to be on Kevin, and it doesn't sound like he's going to do that, at least publicly. Who knows what's going on behind closed doors, you know, and in the facility. But if you go by his words there, Baker's the guy, and Baker has no intention of not going on the field. So they have to just execute better. They have to run the ball better. They lose Conklin at right tackle. Now, he had been out for a while anyway with an elbow, and then he, he goes out uh, with, with a knee yesterday. So they had, they had not had him anyway, but they have to execute. And, and to me, again, because the defense, the defense only gave up 16 points. Defense was on the field for 15 more minutes. You know, the, 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 the time of possession for Baltimore was 15 minutes in their favor. And Baltimore only had 303 yards. So the Cleveland defense played well enough to win. The offense just can't score enough points. Like I said, it's a combination of the running game got, got nailed there. They, they weren't able, able to run. The passing game, Baker is struggling at times, making plays at times. And the receivers, like I said, I don't think they have consistently enough ability to separate enough to get big plays out of them. So it is a combination of things. Everyone's going to want to lay it on the quarterback. That's how it goes. Quarterbacks get too much praise. Quarterbacks get too much criticism. That's how it works, so I understand that. But there are different aspects to the offense as well.
2: Four weeks ago tomorrow, the father of Odo Beckham Jr., that would be Odo Beckham Sr., took to social media and posted a video of all of the occasions when his son was open and baker mayfield didn't throw it to him that lit the fuse for the eventual explosion and i can't believe it's only been 27 days since that all went down and i mentioned that mike because after last night's game the father of kareem hunt and that would be kareem hunt senior and this has been confirmed by blue checks on twitter that it was indeed him now I'm getting people on my Facebook page saying I'm being like OBJ daddy and I'm not. I'm stating facts on football and what we see, he, Baker Mayfield, is limping. He's scared to throw the ball and they know he's hurt. They're going to keep listening. But if people don't like what I'm saying, I'm <laughs> unfriend me. I'm not jeopardizing nothing. I got a right to speak. I ain't posting no videos. <laughs> you don't need to. Have a good day. Go Browns, hopefully. Um, and, you know, someone from inside the bubble saying something like that. Yeah, Baker is a feisty, fiery, combative guy. He's not going to be happy about this. Not to the same extent he wasn't happy about the OBJ video, but he's not going to be happy about this. It's just another issue the Browns are going to have to deal with. But at some point, Mike, the phrase I used earlier, best interest of the team, that's what has to take over, short-term and long-term and everything in between. And you want to turn this around at 6 and 6, you want to have the best chance to win if Baker Mayfield doesn't heal Considerably over the next week and a half, I think you have to think about going with the other guy until Mayfield is closer to 100%. And that's the analysis. Anytime you got starter, backup, how far below 100% does the starter dip before we go with the 100% healthy backup? And Case Keenum isn't the classic hold the clipboard and we hope you never have to play backup. He's there for a reason, he's there to play in the event that Mayfield is sufficiently diminished that he can't.
4: Yeah, l- listen, I, I agree. I, I'll continue to say players are going to want to go out and play. It's up to the staff to change that. And, and I, I guess I've been dragged into this era a little bit of, of shooting your mouth off in social media. I, I just don't get it with, the, with these fathers. I, I don't understand. I mean, I know you love your kid and you have your kid's best interests at heart, but, I mean, what, what, what are we doing here? What, what what are you doing trashing your team or somebody on your team publicly? I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I never will. Uh, but, you know, as my kids keep telling me, or when I was doing the show with my son, Mike, he said, this is the way communication goes nowadays. Now, these are fathers, so they're closer to my age than my son's age, and they're still doing it. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I don't dig it uh, at all. Uh, should it have an effect on the team? No. Um, but I, I, I don't like it. I don't understand it, but it's not like it's going to go anywhere. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. It's going to be there, and you just have to deal with it. The facts, the facts, if he wants the facts of the situation are, dude, like like your son, if he wants to go play hurt, he went on IR, but if he was hurt and he wanted to go play, he's going to go play. Baker Mayfield's going to go play. You know, Players are going to go play. It's up to the coaching staff to decide when enough is enough that they've seen, and they need to go to a backup or to a different player to try and change the results or get the team going again. This isn't on the player. The player goes out and they produce. Sometimes they produce well, and Baker is struggling. There's no doubt about it. But he's going to keep trying to play. I I don't know how many times I can say that, as all other players would. They will go back on the field. You put a microphone in front of their face, they're going to say, I'm going back on the field, I'm fine, I'm going to play. We've become great liars to the public and to doctors on how we feel. How are you? I'm fine. How's your shoulder? It's fine. How's your foot? It's fine. I'm going to go play. That's what they do, that's what athletes do. They wanna be out on the field. So I will say again, I feel like I'm a broken record. This is on Kevin Stefanski if he wants to change that narrative.
2: You know, it's funny. When you say the phrase, I feel like I'm a broken record. I wonder how many people even know what that means. Like, you could have kids saying, what does this have to do with somebody yeah. breaking a record? <laughs> yeah, um, but, but, uh, but I digress. Um, bottom line is this, and, and you mentioned it at one point, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But if we take the things that we see in flashes at time from Baker Mayfield publicly, and apply that internally. There's a chance, Mike, that he is being a massive pain in the ass behind the scenes. Uh, with his insistence that this is my job and I'm going to play. And there's really nobody who can, who can say, Baker, you're sitting. And who knows how he reacted when they sat him for the Thursday night game that you worked against the Broncos. Maybe he was a massive pain in the butt then. And like, we don't want to do that again. So we don't know if there's somebody in place to really have the tough conversation with Baker Mayfield, who is very headstrong. We have seen it time and again. And maybe they just best interest of the team is we don't want to have some some gigantic issue in the building because Baker just refuses to sit down. But you're right. The player is always going to want to play. At some point, the team has to manage the player. And it's incumbent on the team to have somebody there who can have that difficult conversation. With Baker Mayfield, we'll see if they have to have it. We'll see if they have anyone who can have it between now and when they face the Ravens again. Another team in the AFC North went on the road yesterday and scored only 10 points and actually had the ball in the final minute, was trying to score, but not to win the game. They were just trying to make the final score look less ugly. That was the Steelers with 10 points. The Bengals with 41 matching the biggest win the Bengals have ever had over the Steelers from September of 1989. It was also 41-10. to 10. Unbelievable performance by the Bengals. Sweep of the Steelers, which doesn't happen often by anyone in that division, particularly not the Bengals. And I really do. When I talked to Joe Burrow after the game, I got the impression, he was being tactful about it, I got the impression that he was a little surprised he didn't get more fight out of the Steelers yesterday. Mike, I know I was surprised. We didn't get more fight out of the studios because they know what the calendar says. They know what the standings say. They know what the stakes are. I was surprised we didn't get a performance like we saw when they went to Cleveland a few weeks ago.
4: Yeah, you know, this is one of those games that that just absolutely got away from them. Um, You know, 10-3 after the first quarter, but then it's, what, 31 to three at halftime, 21 points. That, that was the second quarter. That, that was, you want to talk about an early nail in the coffin. That's when it was. It was that second quarter. And, and you're right. That's when you, when, you, when you hear a player kind of infer, you know, I, I thought we would get more out of them. Listen, they couldn't run their offense. This is not a team that can consistently pass themselves back into a game. They need the running game. Najee Harris has been incredible early on catching balls, but then running the ball. For the past number of weeks. They need that balance. They are not a down the field passing team at all. So all of a sudden when your game plan goes out the window and now says this is what we have to do. uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to have to pass the ball 41 times and they run the ball 15 times. That's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's kind of like early in Ben's career when it was like keep his passing uh, total passes in the high teens low 20s tops, but mostly in the teens and let's run the ball. Well, now at the end of Ben's career, you kind of need to do the same thing. That's what they need to do. And they got taken out of that one. Now, certainly it's not just one side of the ball. You know, it's a defense giving up point. The defense has been had been at times a very strong point without question for this team. So they're the ones, you know, that 31 points later in halftime, the game plans out the window. So that was a total team effort by the Pittsburgh Steelers getting blown out. And what can you say for Cincinnati? This is one of these teams, these perennial losing teams, Mike, that we've seen, like Detroit, you know, like the Jets, like Jacksonville, certainly as of late, and Cincinnati, that even though they get high picks, we're still like, my God, they can't still get out of their own way. They can't, they can't cycle out of this the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to get high draft picks. You're supposed to get the best players. You're supposed to get better. Well, Cincinnati is now. For real, they are now with a quarterback and receivers and running back and, and, some, and the key positions that they have. Now they just need to do it on a consistent level. We'll see this, a 41-10 to 10 win, but unfortunately out of them, you'll see a stinker you know, occasionally as well two good, one bad, or two bad, one good. That will be the sign of them taking even that next, next step. They're away from the other teams I mentioned as far as developing, getting talent, and now start to go in the right direction without question. Now it's doing it on a consistent basis. But you see what they're capable of when they're hitting on all cylinders on offense and certainly give defense credit as well. But like I said, Pittsburgh passing back into a game, I mean, that's, that's basically a feeding frenzy.
2: I want to talk a little bit about where the Steelers are before we heap more praise on the Bengals and the praise is deserved. But it is stunning to see where the Steelers currently are, 0-2-1 over the last three games, when it felt like they were finding the formula. It felt like they were finding their way. All three phases, keep it close, grind it out. But as you said, Mike, if they fall behind, they're not going to come back because Ben Roethlisberger is not the guy he used to be. He can't use his legs to buy time. He's making ill-advised throws. He had to pick six yesterday to the former Steeler, Mike Hilton, and it just kept rolling downhill. And I, it was so bad. I was stunned because there was a point where where Roethlisberger was holding his elbow on the sideline, and I thought, well, they'll just put Mason Rudolph in. This one's over. This one's done. It's 41-3 in the fourth quarter, and there was still a lot of time left, and he was still in the game. And I don't know if it was just, hey, we need to score some points so we don't lose this thing 41-3, to or whether it was, hey, this is my last game ever in my home state of Ohio, or whether it was just stubborn, stupid pride, whatever it was, was, I was surprised to still see number seven in there late in the game with them trying desperately to make that score look a little bit better than it did.
4: You know, this is one of those situations when I talk about players want to play, we were just talking about that with injury, uh, with Baker Mayfield. There's also the side of, hey, um, win, lose, or draw, I want to be out on the field. We got blown out. We didn't play well. I'm I'm going down with the ship. You know what? I'm not going to end up on the sideline. And this is one, listen, he's been in the league a long time. I'm sure him and Mike Tomlin, obviously, have had many conversations and been with each other a long time. And I'm sure that that could have been, maybe that wasn't even the discussion because they know each other so well that Mike knew Ben wanted to stay in the game and finish the game, so maybe they didn't even have to talk about it. It was never even going to be a question. Or maybe, maybe it's not even a question with Mike Tomlin. Hey, we're getting beat. Stay out there. You know that's, we're, we're, we're out there through thick. We're out there through thin, and this is about as thin as it gets, and you're going to stay out there. But I, I think that's also a player mentality as well, speaking from someone who's been on the field. is like sometimes when it doesn't go your way, you know what? You, you, want, you stay on the field. You finish that game out. And I get what you're saying. You know, why risk it? Put the backup, especially at the quarterback position, put the backup in. But again, it's just that mentality of, I want to be on the field. You know, even when we're losing, even when we're playing bad, even when I'm playing bad, I want to finish this game out. So again, it would fall on the head coach, in this case, Mike Tomlin, uh, to say, you know what? Enough's enough. Sit down. Let's not put you in any, any undue harm here. Though I, I I highly doubt there was even that conversation, to be honest with you.
2: Well, and in their defense they're so rarely in that situation they have no experience with how to deal with a situation like that and what do you do I don't know it hasn't happened in a long time Uh, let's just go finish the game let's keep pushing let's keep striving let's use these reps to get better if we can because we still are alive in the chase for a playoff spot in the AFC so uh, we'll see what the Steelers can do down the stretch, but it's not going to get any easier. They have the Ravens next Sunday. So, I uh, will see if the Steelers can begin the process of digging their way out of it and showing more fight than they showed yesterday. And the Bengals had something to do with it. The Bengals have figured out one important thing, Mike, because they they were 5 and 2 after beating Baltimore in in Baltimore. And and everybody is on the bandwagon and then they lose to the the Jets for crying out loud. And then they get blown out at home by the Browns. And they go into their bye week. And I asked Joe Burrow yesterday after the game, what have you done to get better? What have you specifically done to get better? And he said, I had fallen in love with the big play. And I realized I just have to take what's available. And if I take what's available, my stats may not be great, but we're going to win the game. And we see that now. The obsession with stopping Jamar Chase, that kicked in. Burrow told me in that Baltimore game it's amazing it took that long for defenses to finally say you know what maybe it's not a good idea to have one person cover Jamar Chase so in the Ravens game they start doing everything they can to take him away the Bengals adjust if you're applying a safety to help the corner it's going to make it easier to run the football you don't have as much help up front to Try to stop Joe Mixon and what Joe Mixon do yesterday? 165 yards and two touchdowns. And the running game has been great the past couple of weeks. You got a guy like T. Higgins, who catches a 32-yard touchdown pass. Why? Well, if you watch the play, it's because they got press coverage on Jamar Chase. of Fitzpatrick has rotated over in that direction. It's single coverage. Joe Burrow takes the shot. T. Higgins catches the pass, and that was kind of an early dagger that makes it 17 to three. To your point, 17 to three is not the kind of lead that the Steelers are going to be able to come back from given the way they're constructed. You could argue it was over at that point when he hit that 32-yard pass, but it's taking what's there. Not trying to go out and have the spectacular moments, but taking what's there. The lesson that maybe the Chiefs would have been wise to learn a couple of years ago, that they're trying to learn on the fly now and resisting, the Bengals have embraced it, and it's worked immediately.
4: Well, the, the only thing I'll say on the other side of that for Kansas City They've been in the last two Super Bowls. So True. it hasn't not been working. Their big plays have been working to get them to the Super Bowl. Now, they didn't win this last one, but they won the one before that. So they've had success. This year, they haven't. Teams, what they do, they adjust. And now Kansas City had to adjust back, and they'll take what they can give you. For Cincinnati, you know, that happened a lot quicker. Because it, it's a rookie, Jamar Chase, who's ch- you know, doing an incredible job. So now you hit those big plays. You're used to those big plays. But as I said, and you mentioned, they get a big win. They get a bad loss. They get a stinky loss. You know, they get it. it, It's not consistent just yet. So you better. They had to adjust quicker. They haven't been in the Super Bowl two times. You know, like Kansas City. So it, it may have taken Kansas City a little more time to say, okay, we need to adjust a little bit because it worked for two years to get them to the Super Bowl. For Cincinnati. It started not to work a little bit, and you'd show it on the field, so they did have to make those adjustments. The quicker you can find that out and the quicker you can make the adjustments you have to, the better off, you obviously, you're going to be.
2: But, Mike, that's what makes what the Chiefs did in 2019 and 2020 even more amazing because it was the loss to the Patriots in the 2018 AFC Championship that kind of woke them up to what they were going to need to do because the the Chiefs were dealing with the defense that – that has the deep shell and tries to take everything away deep. And Patrick Mahomes, I remember him telling me going into the 2019 season, I need to start being more patient. I need to take what's there. But he refused to do it. And they were so good they could still score their points even when they were saying, I know what you're trying to do, but we're still going to run our offense. The, the, The Bengals did a far quicker pivot, and you could argue that, you know, from a talent standpoint, that's just how good the Chiefs were, that even though they knew that's what defenses were doing, right. they could still fly into the teeth of that. The the They're now pivoting finally, and the Bengals had to pivot more quickly, but the Bengals are a team that needs to be taken very seriously down the stretch because, I, and, and I, look, we got on the hype train a few weeks ago. I know I did after they beat Baltimore. So... You know, every time it seems like with one of these teams that we we anoint them, they end up losing a game or two in a row. But we're looking for that team that's going to emerge and sustain it through December. That's really the key. Can the Bengals take what they did yesterday, Mike, and sustain it through December and into January? If they can, they can be a very dangerous team.
4: Yeah, but we don't know, right? Because we haven't seen it out of them. I mean, this this is, again, Cincinnati crawling out of that space They were sharing with Detroit and with the Jets and with Jacksonville, you know, but they're out of it now. They're out of that space without question, but we've never seen him do it at a consistent rate. Now that's next. Now that's what we need to see is the consistency because you ask for a consistent team. Well, it was one that was controlling, you know, the last couple of decades uh, in the New England Patriots and now a six-game winning streak. They're the model of consistency Not always flashy, but consistent. So, yeah, Cincinnati, can they be? That's a magical question that we have no idea of the answer to because we haven't seen it out of them yet.
2: And we'll see it soon. Chargers, who are very up and down, come to town. Then the 49ers at Denver, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns to finish the season. For the Bengals. So some tough games coming up. But as it relates to the mindset in Cincinnati, as you say, they're digging out of that that cluster of dysfunctional teams that will always lose. They'll make a lot of money, but they'll always lose. I asked Joe Burrow what it meant to beat the Steelers twice. And and he he said some things that that we played earlier. But but this really stuck with me. I think we've set the standard this year of what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to go out and beat our division and beat the Steelers. I think this year we've set the standard of what it's supposed to be for the next five to ten years. And that's tough for football fans to get accustomed to, the idea that the Bengals are going to be in the conversation among the best, not the worst, for an extended period of time, Mike.
4: So here's the thing. Joe Burrow has been in the league how long? two years. So Joe Burrow goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. He knows the history. He knows they haven't won, but he hasn't been part of that. So you get players on today that are like, okay, the fans understand that. Listen, I did the, the game against Jacksonville on a Thursday night where Jacksonville had a 14 to nothing lead and the Bengal fans booed the Bengals going off the field at halftime because Bengal fans have that memory because they've lived it. Year after year and decade after decade, Joe Burrow hasn't. Jamar Chase hasn't. They've been in the league two years and one year. So as far as they're concerned, they're starting a new era there because they weren't part of that. They know the fans were and They hear the stories, but that wasn't them. So they're not associating themselves with the losing part of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're associating themselves with the now and with the fact that they're winning games.
2: It's funny to think back to that Bengals-Jaguars game and the Urban Meyer weekend that followed. It feels like it happened years ago, doesn't it? All right. Uh, It wasn't a full year ago that the Rams and the Packers got together in the playoffs and the Rams had made some changes and they went back to Green Bay. Was the result any different? No, it wasn't. We'll break down what happened when Green Bay and L.A. got together at Lambeau Field when PFT Live continues right after this.
3: Yeah, look, when I step on the field, I expect greatness. I think anyone who's a great competitor feels the same way. So, you know, I don't uh, lean on excuses and not practice and little toe injury. You know, I expect greatness when I take the field.
2: It's Aaron Rodgers after the 36-28 victory over the Los Angeles Rams. And he, he said his toe felt better this week than last week in part because it wasn't stepped on during the game last week he needed another shot at halftime to numb the pain but he did say he's going to have further testing this morning they enter their bye week there's a chance based upon the outcome of the test he's going to have some sort of a surgical procedure that I assume would would be aimed at allowing him to return to action week 14 but still it's something to keep an eye on because the toe broken pinky toe as we now know not COVID toe but broken pinky toe it's an issue but it was less of an issue yesterday and it showed the Packers in a game that it felt like they should have been blowing them off the field all day long they finally got to that big 36 to 17 lead some garbage time points by the Rams made the game look a little bit better than it was but it, it really wasn't a contest it was all Packers all day long Mike
4: Oh, it was. And I'm, I'm glad we didn't have to see uh, Aaron's foot uh, again. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have to, to show it to everybody. And, you know, we talked last week a, a, a lot because he said it was worse than a turf toe. So we were talking a lot about the big toe and what you do to tape that. But, you know, listen, it's a pinky toe, man. And it's good to know that, that a shot can help numb it because let me, uh, as, as someone who lived on those at times while I played, it's a beautiful thing if you don't have to feel the, the pain of it during the game and it doesn't affect your play. So And, and as you heard him saying, as I said earlier, doesn't matter if you're hurt. If you go on the field, you, you, he still expects to play great. And that's what, that's, I'll repeat it again, that's what athletes do. They're hurt, they still go on the field, and they expect to play well. And you're right. This wasn't as close as the score. Garbage points at the end for, uh, end for the Rams. The Packers almost doubled them up. On time of possession. I mean, they had the ball just about the, the entire game. So, about four, 40 minutes of this game. So, they controlled everything and they did it through the pass again, what, 45 passes, I think, uh, for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. And for the Rams, you have Stafford again throwing a pick six, three games in a row throwing a pick six. Lose a couple of fumbles as well, turning the ball over. I know you got you have, that offense had been high flying at times. But you turn the ball over against a bad team, maybe you can get away with it. You turn the ball over against a good team, you're not going to get away with it so much. And make no mistake, Green Bay is that type of team.
2: Yeah, and uh, a point that Coach Dungy made yesterday in the viewing room, as we were talking about the significance of this game, everything that the Rams have done since the playoff loss in Green Bay is about going back to Green Bay and winning. And even though... It didn't happen in the single elimination round. The idea that you get Matthew Stafford, you get Vaughn Miller, you get Odell Beckham Jr., and you get the same outcome, if not an uglier outcome with Matthew Stafford as the quarterback, th- that, that leaves a mark for the Rams. And for as, as hot as they were, 7-1 and one just a few weeks ago, Many were saying the best team in football, probably got to the number one spot in plenty of the uh, all-important power rankings out there, and three straight losses, two in prime time and one in the big late afternoon window. That, that's embarrassing for a team that is embracing the, hey, hey, everybody, pay attention to us. Well, we are, and we don't like what we see, and uh, they, they better figure out how to, as, as I say from time to time, change the tire on a moving car. Because it's it's just not working right now. Whatever it is, it's not working.
4: So let me flip it on the other side and tell you what can go on in a locker room is, okay, uh, by the time maybe we play again, and if they play the Packers again, it'll be a lot more meaning on the game, right? Now this one was seeding, I get it. But if it's in the playoffs, it's obviously a one and done. Von Miller will have had more time. OBJ will have had more time on the team. So What you do is you spin it to a positive. Listen, players are realistic. They can sit in the locker room and understand what went on in that game, but they can also look forward to say, okay, we may get another shot, or by the time we get to the playoffs, that are we playing at our best, which means, again, Von Miller getting more time and OBJ getting more time in that offense and then being able to execute better. So that's kind of how you look at it from the other side of it. Even though this was, they had to be obviously very disappointed in this loss. And hopefully Matthew Stafford stops throwing interceptions that go for six the other way. As I said, turnovers from the beginning of the football to the end of football, that will never change. Turnovers can absolutely destroy you. And we're finding that out with a few teams, the Rams being one of them.
2: And here's the problem, Mike. If there is a rematch, the chances are now increased that the Rams are going to have to go back to Lambeau Field in mid to late January. Right. Instead of having the Packers come to them. And and that, that was the stakes of this one. Hey, if you can't beat the Packers in late November on a day where the weather isn't an issue, good luck in late January when the weather inevitably will be an issue. Let's hear from Sean McVeigh, the guy who whose glass is perpetually half full, even when it's completely empty, talking about whether or not his expectations have changed for the season in light of the three straight losses.
1: With three losses in a row, are you concerned that
3: all your goals for this season could could spin out of control? Absolutely not. Uh, No, because there's still six games left. Um, You know, for us, uh, the only thing that we can do is really just get ourselves back in alignment and have a good week of preparation and try to get back on track against the Jaguars.
2: Yeah, and and look, they have the Jaguars, but then it gets very difficult. They've got the Cardinals, the Seahawks, who aren't going to come in and lay down, and they may still be alive by the time week 15 rolls around. Then it's a trip to Minnesota, a trip to Baltimore on january 2nd and then the season ends with a visit from the 49ers and we've seen what the 49ers have been able to do to the rams in recent years so it's not an easy stretch and and uh catching the cardinals is getting more and more difficult as the rams keep losing and uh, they may have to go on on the road every level of the playoffs to try to try to get what they they had so every team wants i know every team wants in theory wants to win the super bowl wants to get to the super bowl they all have to say it or the fans are going to be like what the hell's wrong with you we want it why don't you want it the rams are one of the 10 teams that you can look at and say they have a chance to get there and win it when they say it it's not just bluster and they make the moves aimed at doing it they go get von miller they go get obj that's what's amazing to me mike 0 three since they traded for for von miller and I know he didn't play in that first game against the Titans, but still the, the sizzle, the buzz, right. it's, it's led to nothing. It's sparked this losing streak.
4: Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you. Again, I'm, I'm willing to give that one more time between him and OBJ to get, to get more comfortable uh, with their new teams. But, again, this is pro football. Uh, this is pro sports. So a lot of times it's come in and, and we need to see results right now. So, you know, I've talked about this a lot. You love to control your own destiny, and certainly they do as far as the playoffs, but as far as the division, they don't. They've already lost to the Cardinals once or two losses behind the Cardinals, and they only get Arizona one more time. So math says they need help from the Cardinals, i.e. Cardinals to lose more and the Rams to keep winning for them to have a shot at the division. So right now they sit in the five slot uh, and and it'll be looking like something like that or lower uh, if they can't take that division, if they don't get help By Arizona losing. But again, I I have no doubt that like the team or like their coach, the team is going to think of the glass half full. But your point of if they do have a rematch with Green Bay of where it's going to be, we we talked about this weeks ago when we saw this NFC, kind of the teams that were kind of laying out to be where they were going to be is, man, what a difference if you're going to Lambeau or if you get to be in L.A., there's a monster difference, or down in Tampa Bay with these NFC teams. There is a monster difference in travel. And if you've got to travel to Green Bay in January, you better damn well hope it's a mild winter and hope and cross your fingers you get one of those mild days where it's only 38 degrees, you know? <laughs> and, and it's not too awful out because that, that's a tough road that, uh, that some teams are going to have to take if they're going to Lambeau.
2: We need to take a break, but Mike, there's one thread that I want to just tug on a little bit here. I want to get your input on this. Matthew Stafford showed up on the injury report all season long one time. Week nine, he missed two practices with a back injury. was limited on Friday, played on the Sunday night game against the Titans. No other whisper of any injury on any of the reports for the Rams through 12 weeks. Yesterday morning, one of the Sunday Splash reports, as Sean Payton calls them, was that Matthew Stafford is dealing with, and I can't even remember all the ailments, it's his back, it's his elbow, it's his arm, it's his this, it's his that. The first thing I did was I started looking at the injury reports. And then after the game, Stafford says, I'm feeling fine, nobody's 100% this time of year. When when there's a a big to-do made about how banged up a guy is, and the injury reports don't mesh with it and his words don't mesh with it. I, it just makes me wonder who's out there trying to make excuses for Matthew Stafford for not performing the way that everyone thought he would. Because that that's my first thought. Somebody's trying to bake in an excuse for why it's all of a sudden not working for Matthew Stafford. And we saw yesterday it didn't work again.
4: Yeah, I guess my thought on that is, Mike, even if we knew of the injuries – He's not coming out. It's kind of like the Baker Mayfield. Right. you own right. the backup. You, who is it? John Walford? Is that, is that the backup uh, with the Rams? Is, is that where you're going? So, to yes. me, it would be white noise anyway. If others want to make excuse for why uh, things are going bad, especially in the last three games, so be it. But, to me, the reality of the situation is, if there are, in fact, nicks and injuries, and we knew about them for the last few weeks, what difference was it going to make? Matthew Stafford was going to still be on the field, So that part of it is going to change for me.
2: Yeah, and and, and I agree with what you're saying. It's just odd that these injuries aren't out there, and if they're bad enough, they should be. But why is somebody making that a big story on a Sunday leading into a big game unless somebody is concerned about the narrative about Matthew Stafford? That's what's confusing to me, and we'll see how that plays out as they uh, continue with their season. Let's go ahead and take a break. Week 12 superlatives time when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only, must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply.
0: The legends are true. Overwhelming power! Sauce of destiny. Yes!